Praise you, Almighty Heavenly Father, this morning. You are the author of freedom. Praise you, God the Son, Jesus. You are the giver, the purchaser of freedom so that we no longer have to be enslaved to our sin as Israel was enslaved in Egypt. Praise you, God the Spirit, for you are the one who gives us freedom and allows us to live in freedom because you shape us and mold us by your law and by your gospel. Lord, you teach us with the stone and you cause us to live by the wood. Lord, help us to rest in your finished work in the cross so that we can celebrate, so that we can thoughtfully delight in you. Bless us as we hear your word this morning and enable us to live it so that others may gain this freedom as well. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So I have a question. Are you free to go home this afternoon, get drunk, and drive your car? Well, the answer is obviously yes. You are able to drive drunk. People do it every single day in the U.S. and around the world. Are you free to drive drunk? Well, the obvious answer is yes. You certainly have the opportunity. Whatever amount of alcohol it is that would make you drunk is easily available at a few dozen places here in town. And I run into homeless people all the time who somehow are able to secure enough money to get themselves drunk with the amount of alcohol that would knock me out. Are you free to drive drunk? Well, the answer is obviously yes. Where there's a will, there's a way. Assuming you have a vehicle or have access to a vehicle or have the means to steal a vehicle, you can obtain a vehicle somehow and drive it drunk. So the obvious answer is yes, you are free to go home, get in a vehicle, get, or get drunk, and then get in a vehicle and drive somewhere in that vehicle. But inside of you, And the side, I assume, all of us. There is a scream. No, you are not free to drive drunk. Well, why not? Of course, there are plenty of external reasons for most of us, sufficient external reasons for most of us not to drive drunk. First of all, there's a law against it. If you drive drunk, you will face stiff consequences, and those Consequences can be life-changing, even life-ending. But secondly, you know, at least in your sober moments, that this is an unwise thing to do at best. And if for no other reason you're wasting money, you're wasting time, you're, you're harming your body and assuming you don't harm someone else or get arrested, you and I can think of plenty of reasons why driving drunk is a bad idea. But allow me to say what you may have been feeling but not had words to express. Freedom, true freedom, biblical freedom, is the willingness, ability, and opportunity to do what is best for everyone concerned. Now, we must understand this. What our culture calls freedom is what people of many beliefs, not just Christians, have always called license. 
License is the ability or opportunity to do something that is not good. Certainly not best for everyone concerned. License is the idea that I can go to Louis B's downtown and get stone drunk, get in my truck, and drive away. Yes, you can do that. But that isn't freedom. Ask any alcoholic who's tried to kick the bottle. Freedom, in this case, would come from obeying the law not to drive drunk. Yes, law. Rightly lived brings freedom. It brings health financially, socially, and in every other way. Of course, you can become a legalist and then you'll be bound by a different set of chains. Or you can choose to obey unjust laws and you will be the slave just the same. But rightly understood, rightly lived, the law of the Spirit of Christ brings freedom. This understanding of freedom of the law and of the law is essential if we are to understand the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God's law expressed in the Ten Commandments and particularly in the fourth commandment here are provisions. They are blessings, the Jew thought because they point to how you may grow in your ability to be the man or woman that God wants you to be. Help you to grow in sanctification or to unpack that word. It will help you grow so that you can become more like Jesus. This is exactly what Moses taught. Exodus chapter 31 verse 13. You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout all your generations, that you may know that I, Yahweh, sanctify you. Or as we unpack it later in the New Testament, that I, Yahweh, make you to be more like Jesus. You see, God's law, properly observed, properly understood, lived by grace through faith, enables, encourages, and equips you to know what it means to live as God would have you and that which will bring you the most joy. As I said in my sermons on the Ten Commandments, we are taught, we are saved by the wood, but we are taught by the stone. Of course, we also get in Psalm 119, verse 77, where the psalmist says, Let your mercy come to me that I may live. See the tie there? And then he makes it more explicit. For your law is my delight. God's law in part, especially the command to celebrate the Sabbath, is God's way of guiding you so that you are able to thoughtfully delight in the Lord. This is our big idea this morning. This time, last time, excuse me, we looked at Jesus' actions on the Sabbath in Mark chapter 2. And so I'm taking a brief time out, two sermons worth, to explain the Sabbath better. But you remember he was arguing with the lawyers of the day, and Jesus tells the lawyers of the day that it is mercy It is blessing the undeserving. It is mercy that wins God's favor 
on the Sabbath day. I argued last time that Jesus gets to pick how we celebrate him. How we celebrate the Sabbath today, Jesus gets to decide. He is, after all, the Lord of the Sabbath. Now today we're going to look at Moses and Isaiah and we're going to glean some key principles. We're going to glean some key purposes for the command to celebrate the Sabbath. Next time we will look at Jesus and Paul and we will see how the New Testament completes the Old Testament principles. And we'll see how you and I can flourish by keeping the law rightly and not shrivel by legalistic obedience. And this is, after all, exactly what the Lord always intended the Sabbath to bring. So thoughtfully delight in the Lord. Let's get started right at the beginning. Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now listen, God didn't need to rest because he was tired. God rested to help you and me see our need to rest. Apparently, the fact that God rested on the seventh day was a neon sign. Look, see, pay attention, behold. He had just said we are made in God's image. And then he says God rested on the seventh day. Therefore, you and I, those who are made in his image, ought to rest on the seventh day. In fact, that exact principle is so significant that Moses felt obliged to make it part of his fourth commandment. Allow me to read the whole fourth commandment. Exodus chapter 20 Verses 8 to 11. Moses says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do, not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, because I have taken perhaps the foolish idea of preaching the whole Old Testament on the Sabbath, I need to keep it short. So here are just two quick observations from Exodus 20. Number one, we are to work six days. (laughs) Perhaps I need to do a sermon on that one too but number two Moses specifically says God blessed the Sabbath day and God made it holy he blessed it now I take that to mean that we his people are blessed we are recipients of divine favor when we celebrate the Sabbath appropriately He also says God made it holy. God set it apart from other days. We find out as we go on, we are not to fret ourselves about the things of the world because we don't live merely by the world. We don't live by bread alone. You, Christian, are a supernaturalist. You believe that God will work in your favor when you obey. So, celebrate the Sabbath. Thoughtfully delight in the Lord. Every time you hear me say, celebrate the Sabbath, translate that in your mind. 
thoughtfully delight in the Lord. We're not done with the Ten Commandments. Moses, after the wilderness wanderings for 40 years, as they were making their final preparations to enter into the Promised Land, Moses restated the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Moses wanted to clarify to a new generation of Israelites the covenant that God made with them. The reason the Lord commands the Sabbath in Deuteronomy 5 has changed slightly, but significantly. Allow me to read just the relevant portions in Deuteronomy 5, 12, and 15. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy that your male servant, your female servant, may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Again, two observations. First is that it isn't only believing Israel that is to rest on the Sabbath day. All of Israel's foreign employees are to rest as well. You see, there are benefits that go with being a foreign worker in Israel. They just wouldn't get these elsewhere. By analogy, I think there's benefits that we get by keeping God's law. Look with me at Exodus 23.12. Six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. You're ox and your donkey may have rest and that the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of rest. Why then has the church so often made a burden out of the Sabbath? I don't know. But the second observation is even more important in understanding what the Sabbath is all about. And that observation is this. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, Moses ties celebrating the Sabbath to creation. Six days plus one, celebrate the one. In Deuteronomy 5.15, Moses ties celebrating the Sabbath to the redemption, the freeing of, from slavery of Israel out of of Egypt. The Sabbath is a weekly reminder that we can rest in our redemption in Christ. Redemption, as Paul teaches us in Colossians, is the forgiveness of sins. Redemption is the rescuing from our slavery to futility exactly as Israel was rescued from futility of slavery in Egypt. Redemption comes to the fore. Redemption is celebrated almost primarily as we keep the Sabbath weekly. Now next week, we're going to change this point only slightly when we say that every week that you celebrate the Sabbath rightly, you celebrate the fact that you are trusting the promises of God for you in Christ. Every time you rest from your labors by celebrating the Sabbath, every time (coughs) you rest from your labors to make your place in the world or to get on the good side of God, 
Every time you rest from that, every time you celebrate the Sabbath, you express the rule of Christ. When you celebrate the Sabbath, you celebrate that the cross changes everything. You celebrate that Jesus is the King of Kings and the President of Presidents. And your fretting and stewing about who wins the White House next week is absurd. And it is an enormous waste of valuable time and energy. So stop it. Celebrate the Sabbath. Think of it this way. You have missed tons of Sabbaths in the past. Celebrate the Sabbath between now and next Tuesday every day. And don't worry about who wins the White House. Or as we'll emphasize next week, Celebrate the Sabbath, but celebrate the Lord's Day and thoughtfully delight in the Lord. Thoughtfully delight in the Lord, exactly as King David tells us in Psalm 37 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. If your delight is in the Lord, He's going to delight to give you Himself the desire of your heart. And that's exactly what we are to do on the Sabbath. Celebrating the Sabbath is like boot camp. Except, celebrating the Sabbath is a resting. Celebrating the Sabbath is a celebrating, a rejoicing, an easy burden, and a light yoke. But it is like boot camp in that it is training. It is training ourselves. It is building habits in ourselves so that we can delight ourself in the Lord and we can be rewarded by Him giving us the desires of our hearts. And certainly not in our preferred brand of political posturing. When you discipline yourself to celebrate the Sabbath, your obedience to the law of Christ that always brings freedom cures the cancer of license and enables you to thoughtfully delight in the Lord. Remember, we celebrate the Sabbath because it is a response to the work that Yahweh has already done, that Jesus has already done on the cross, and we no longer need to fear condemnation, but we can celebrate what He has done in creation and in redemption. And next week we will get to the fact that He has done this, and He will, in fact, bring about consummation or glorification. That will be next week. Now, all of this is crucial to understand because when we get to the most important statement on keeping the Sabbath, Isaiah 58, we will see that Isaiah's command will be to thoughtfully delight in the Lord. Thoughtfully delight in the Lord is Isaiah's clarion call. There's a twist, however. Isaiah begins by talking about fasting. Never fear, God knows what he's doing in his word. So let's unpack this. And we need to understand a strong contrast that is going on. In verses 1 through 5 of Isaiah 58, Isaiah sets up a strong contrast. The people of Israel are seeking to win God's favor through extraordinary efforts. In this case, fasting. In some people's case, keeping the Sabbath. Yahweh then, through Isaiah, declares he knows exactly what's going on. You're trying to manipulate me by fasting, Yahweh says. It won't work. So, 
Let's read verses 1 through 5 of Isaiah 58. Isaiah says, Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgressions and to the house of Jacob their sins. So, Yahweh is about to tell them what they're doing wrong. And here's what it is. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgments of their God. They ask me of righteous judgments and they delight to draw near to God. Isaiah, or, yeah, Isaiah Yahweh is being sarcastic. They're not doing this. They're, they're, this isn't Yahweh, or Israel's actual what they're doing. But Israel says, why have we fasted and you not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, and, and that's their question. Yahweh responds, behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and fight and to hit with a wicked fist. He said, you're not fasting. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Yes, that is, but you're doing it wrong. Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? God here is sarcastic because he knows that his people are doing these external, extraordinary efforts to try to manipulate God. But these external, extraordinary efforts don't really reflect their heart's desires. Hear me, Grace. Listen. Biblical religion is a response to God. Never fast. Never keep a Sabbath because you want to win God's favor. Never try to influence Him or manipulate Him. You can't be good enough. You can't fast enough. You can't celebrate the Sabbath enough. You can't do anything to make God love you. Why? Well, he tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 7, I love you because I love you. Now, you have to keep this sarcasm in mind. Because the strong contrast of this external religion is going to be key to understanding the rest of the passage. We need to understand that Israel is trying to manipulate God so that when we get to the right celebration of the Sabbath in verses 13 and 14, we will understand that it is a rejoicing. It is a response to God that He has already blessed us. So let's pick up in verses 6 and 7. Is this not the fast that I choose? to loose the bonds of wickedness and undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Proper fasting has a lot less to do with not eating than it does in blessing, being merciful. Just like Jesus said last time. Here's the problem. Israel is saying, look at me, I'm fasting. God will say in a moment, we will strengthen next time. 
the true point of fasting or celebrating the Sabbath is, look at Jesus. I'm celebrating the Sabbath. I am living in humility and mercy, and I am depending upon Yahweh to come through for me. So evidently, Jesus had read this passage. Last time when we looked at Mark 2, we saw Jesus' attitude toward the Sabbath in strong contrast to the Pharisees. The Pharisees were evidently the spiritual heirs of the people Isaiah was arguing with in Isaiah 58. The reason why I know this is because Jesus understood the Father's desires, in that case, was to free the man with the crippled hand. Therefore, true fasting, true Sabbathing, as we will see in a moment, is mercifully helping people to overcome injustice. Isaiah says to loose the bonds of wickedness. True Sabbathing is mercifully helping people to overcome inhumane treatment, to undo the straps of the yoke. True Sabbathing is mercifully helping people overcome inequality to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Justice. Don't let anyone on the right or the left lie to you about this. Justice is giving mercy to those who need it. And as we emphasized last time, Jesus gets to pick how we celebrate Him. And He picks mercy. He picks blessing your near ones who need it. That is true fasting. That is true Sabbathing. Why? Because Jesus says it is more blessed to give than to receive. You want to hear what those blessings are? Thanks for asking. Verses 8 through 10. Then your light Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear God. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and He will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of your finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, then your light shall shine in the darkness, and your gloom shall be as the noonday. I have an idea. If you struggle with this, which I imagine most of us do, I have an idea. Join an organization that is near you that is already blessing those who suffer. Join CareNet. Join CareNet and help women who are in crisis pregnancy, and in many cases also men who want to be the father that they ought to be, but just have no idea how. Do you have experience in that? Can you help them? Join us here on Friday mornings as we give showers to the homeless through, our, through the efforts of Central Coast Rescue Mission. Give money to any one of several Christian organizations who are fighting for the legal freedom and justice for those who cannot fight for themselves. There are ways of obeying these commands that we just haven't even thought of. Now, whether fasting or Sabbathing, this this kind of living is not dour or oppressive or boring. Not at all. Truly worshiping 
Yahweh on the Sabbath is a celebration. True fasting or Sabbathing in the current order of things in this fallen world is joyful, refreshing, and exciting. So train your heart to value these blessings. We'll be getting a lot more into that next time. But here, right here in Isaiah 58, is the blessings that Moses was speaking of back in the Pentateuch. What does Isaiah say? God will give you light. He will heal your wounds. He will prepare your way. He will follow you with glory. In other words, He'll be behind you and He'll be in front of you. You will cry to Him and He will say, Here I am. Stop oppressing those who are near you and you will be a blessed. Then you will be blessed. But I'm not oppressing my near ones. I'm just living my life. Perhaps. Perhaps not. But are you sacrificing for their blessing? Are you being intentionally merciful to them? It's the response to the blessing. It's response to the mercy that God has given us that causes us to respond to this mercy. To respond to this blessing by giving of our time and our talent and our treasures to organizations like CareNet and Central Coast Rescue Mission and right here at Grace Baptist Church. It's the response that enables the blessing to flow in us and through us and for us. And I must say, verses 8-10 through 10 is an impressive list of blessings. But God is not finished. Just in case you missed it, Yahweh declares there are more blessings for trusting God's promises. There are more divine favor to be poured out to those who respond to His grace. Look with me at verses 11 and 12. The Lord will guide you continually. He will satisfy your needs, your, your desire in a scorched places, and He will make your bones strong. You will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations you shall be called the repairer of the breach the restorer of streets to dwell in oh my goodness does our nation does our community not need those kinds of people yes it does this is one of the verses that Donna and I taped up on our door to our apartment 20 years ago Isaiah 58:11 the lord will guide you always he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Now listen, I grew up in the desert. So this verse meant perhaps more to me than it does to most because I want to be satisfied. I want to have my body strengthened. I want to be a well-watered garden. So I want, like Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 2, to celebrate Him the way He wants to be celebrated. To celebrate the Sabbath. To celebrate Jesus by being merciful. I want to celebrate Jesus the way He wants to be celebrated on the Sabbath and every other day of the week by demonstrating mercy to my near ones. Now before we move on, I want to note one more thing. I want to note the fact 
that none of these promises mean you won't suffer. What these promises mean instead is that when you suffer, because you live in a sin-sick world, when you suffer, you remain in the presence of the Almighty. You remain a person who gets mercy from Him. You remain a person who is blessed and you are a recipient of His favor. And you are a recipient of His favor so that you can then be a conduit of that mercy, that favor to your near ones. And it is here, it is with this understanding of the Sabbath and of fasting, if you, want, if you will. Now is when we get to the most important verse on the Sabbath in Isaiah. Here's the punchline. Rightly celebrating the Sabbath, rightly celebrating the Sabbath by saying, look at Jesus, rightly celebrating the Sabbath By saying, look at Jesus, instead of trying to manipulate Him by saying, look at me, I'm fasting, look at me, I'm keeping the Sabbath. Rightly celebrating the Sabbath by being merciful is how we get this mercy. And it is how we thoughtfully delight in the Lord. Let's look at Isaiah 58, 13 and 14. If you turn... Back your foot from the Sabbath. Turn from doing your own pleasure on my holy day. In other words, if you repent of merely doing what it is you were doing, trying to get ahead in the world, trying to impress God, trying to manipulate Him, if you turn back your foot from doing those things, and if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor that day, not going about your own ways, not trying to get yourself ahead in the world, If you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. There's the boot camp part of this. There's the training part of this. You do this and you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In other words, this is a promise. First and foremost, on the Sabbath, first and foremost, if you want to fast, first and foremost, God wants you to take delight in the Lord. Remember that strong contrast we mentioned back in verses 1 through 5? Hey, God, you're not looking at me. Hey, God, you're not, you know, I'm doing all this external, extraordinary effort and you're not paying attention. And God says, I see what you're doing. That ain't going to work. Remember that contrast? Instead of that, instead of that misunderstanding, instead of that misguidedness, here is where it gets critical. Now make no mistake, there are regulations in the Old Testament on how to keep the Sabbath. We're going to address that next time. The New Testament has something significant to say about that. There are regulations, there are laws in the Old Testament regarding the Sabbath, and they were, in fact, meant to be followed. But then we're going to see next time how these regulations have been completed and how now we are to celebrate the Lord's Day. 
Because remember, those regulations were meant to be a guide so that you can see what will ultimately, truly, fully, completely give your heart and soul the rest and refreshment it needs and that you will only find when living by trust in the promises of God for you in Christ. Promises like, if you celebrate the Sabbath in mercy, you will be blessed. Because it is more blessed to give than to receive. Here's how Alec Motier made this point. He said the Sabbath was not a fast, but a feast day. The Sabbath is more interested, the Lord is more interested in enjoyment of his blessings through obedience than in self-opposed deprivations. Notice that word enjoyment. We're going to spend more time on that next week. Obedience to the law of Christ brings refreshment that we so long to have but eludes us when we are depending upon our electronic entertainment or thrill-seeking or any of the other many intoxicants that we are addicted to, that we addict ourselves to. Now this sermon was by necessity a water-skiing description of the Old Testament discussion of the Sabbath. Books, libraries of books have been written on the subject. Next week, we needed to have this foundation so that we can get to Romans 14, so that we can get to Colossians 2, so that we could really understand what Jesus means when he says he is the Lord of the Sabbath. And we will be able, we will understand how to celebrate the Lord's day Christianly. And allow this point to stand. Like fasting, Sabbathing requires discipline. Like feasting, Sabbathing requires joy. The thoughtful discipline then causes us to find that joy that is only found in forsaking the deadly poison so popular in our culture today. So thoughtfully delight in the Lord. And Jesus, we give you glory for giving us the Sabbath Lord, open our hearts, open our minds. Help us desire and then to thoughtfully reason through how we can then delight in you. Help us with our whole being to celebrate you and the finished work of the cross. And help us to celebrate the fact that you created the weak. And told us to rest on one of those days. And you created redemption. You saved Israel from Egypt. And you saved us from our sins. Help us to celebrate that. And then next week as we learn in Hebrews 4. To celebrate the fact that you are coming again. And you will in fact redeem us fully. From this fallen sinful state. Help us to celebrate you. And bring glory to you. And joy to our hearts. And growth to your kingdom. In Jesus name. Amen.